Alrighty, folks, welcome along to another episode of the Made to Pray podcast. You're joining us on episode number eight of season number six. And on this week's episode, we are doing something just a wee bit different. Usually, week to week, we kind of focus in on bands. But this week, we're going to look at some other aspects of our culture. And I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Georgina Key from the, the Solace Highland Dancers. And I'm just going to bring Georgina in now. And we're going to have a wee bit of conversation about um, what that means to her and, you know, how that the impact that it has on her life and the young people and other adults and stuff that she's working with in that whole phase. So let's just bring her in now and see how we get on here. Georgina, absolutely brilliant to have you on the podcast. Thanks very much for taking part. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, Glenn. Yeah, no, good to see you again. Because obviously we've 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 come across we've crossed paths a couple of times in terms of a few events, and obviously um, knew your dad reasonably well and stuff, you know. And uh, um, great to, to be able to, to feature another aspect of you know our particular culture um, on the podcast. Because it was interesting because I, I, the other day I was putting up some I was putting up some episodes, and somebody I, I mentioned says, "Is all you do food bonds?" <laughs> and I was like, "Going oh, well." <laughs> we do. Yeah, we we have had. <laughs> I was like, we have had the odd accordion player on, much to my chagrin, and uh, you know, we've we've had a couple of other things on. So this is kind of going to be hopefully be up somebody's street here in terms of uh, you know highlighting another aspect of the culture. But so it be a good place maybe to start for is is tell us a wee bit about who you are, what it is that you do there. Well, I am Georgina Key McCarter, and I am from Brady, which is in the northwest. So I'm from just outside Londonderry, really. Um, and I'm a Highland dance teacher. I'm the lead Highland dance teacher for Solace Highland Dancers. Um, so yeah, something different from flip bands this evening for you. But um, yeah, we um, we get involved in a lot of cultural projects. Um, my work kind of has lots of different aspects to it. So mainly I'm a dance teacher, but... Um, I also train dance teachers and I organize events and competitions for Highland dancers um, and I teach within schools and community groups. So um, a lot of crossover work as well because we're part of the Northwest Cultural Partnership. So we work alongside the London Dairy Bands Forum as well as um, Bob Hart Memorial Trust and other cultural um, PEL sort of groups that are based in and around London Dairy. So a little bit of everything, but focusing mainly on Highland dance. Brilliant. That's great. And, and, and it's one of those aspects of, of, of PL culture that, you know, it doesn't always get it as wide a, you know, a coverage in terms of, you know, the other sort of more, more loud, more, you know, the, the, the larger set of numbers of people attached to things and stuff, you know, but it's still an integral part of, you know, the heritage that we have. I was wondering, when did, when did culture and heritage, is not specifically the dancing thing, because we'll get into that as we, we go along, but when did the whole idea of culture and heritage, you know, really, you know, become important to you? When we, when did you become kind of aware of that being something that was important? I think always. Um, I think like many people were kind of born into this culture. Mm-hmm. We're born into family traditions that are established way before we're here. So, I mean, as long as I can remember, um, my family have always been um, involved in pipe bands and in loyal orders, really. Like my right. earliest memories and like my granda passed away a couple of years ago. All my earliest family members were me and my granda and going to twelfths and going to band practice and stuff. Um, and we do have a very strong Scottish link. So like my mom's right. a Campbell and my dad's a Key and that's McKay. So the Scottish links aren't that far back. Um, right. My granny recently took like an ancestry test. She's like 96% Scottish right. in her DNA. <laughs> okay. Um, so we grew up within the loyal orders, the pipe bands, and my granny Campbell, she makes costumes. So she right. worked in factories in Londonderry. And um, so she was quite a good talented seamstress. Um so she started off sort of nothing, you know, the old flip band jumpers where they all wore the knitted right. jumpers. Um uh-huh. and she made all the girls brigade jumpers and the boys brigade jumpers, and she basically made clothes for people in the community. But then uh-huh. um the pipe bands were paying an absolute fortune. So she dismantled a kilt and decided to teach herself to make a kilt. And, right, okay. and in my opinion, my granny is one of the best kilt makers about because you can't buy kilts the way she makes them. She sews them all by hand and everything. 
So as long as I can remember, Glenn, we've been surrounded by tartan and bagpipes and parades, right. <laughs> and it's very much in the blood. And we were just born into it. That was just a natural kind of thing. It's all I ever knew. Right. Okay. It's interesting you mentioned um, the the bagpipes, you know, because obviously the bagpipes get some raking for me as well, you know. So my you know, people that know me, they'll that my nickname for them is the agony bags, you know. So it's uh, they um, get a hard time from me too. Like I really <laughs> love hate. Like I loved. Like my granda taught me to play the bagpipes. Right. It was a very much a family thing that we did um so i've got very good memories but they're a nightmare like if you don't look after them things and if you take a night off you're snookered and like these things that they sound amazingly good or they sound amazingly bad so i have kind of got a love-hate relationship for them as well highland dancing definitely took over as soon as i got out of the piping the they're gathering dust that haven't been out in many many years so well, brilliant. Thank God for that, then, eh? <laughs> no, I was going to say, you, could, you give us a wee chant there later on there, you know, get them. <laughs> I don't think I would remember. So you, you're, you, were, you were taught to play bagpipes by your grandfather then? Yeah, then on. And what, what was that like? You know, was that, you know, something that you went to willingly or, you know, or was it something you kind of like, were like, yeah, Grandad, I don't know about this? You know what? We never really knew any different. Uh-huh. Um, like, you were just... Like my daddy was a drum major, my granddad played the bagpipes, all my older cousin played bagpipes, all my uncles played bagpipes, so you were it just sort of happened. Um, uh-huh. we had great crack because when I started learning the bagpipes, there was me and my sister, and there was about four or five other cousins, and we we're all young gears, and the crack uh-huh. was really good. Like, we loved going to the band contest on a Saturday, and sure, it was a bus run, and you know, we were never here on a weekend. Um, right. I don't know if the bagpipes were the appeal or. Right. Crack and the grip of friends and the traveling. I mean, we used to travel to the World Pipe Band Championships in Glasgow every year, and you know, we have so many good memories surrounding the band. And uh-huh. It was a good group of friends and family, really. Brilliant. And what, what band were, were you a part of then? That was part of Brady Pipe Band. That was the local right. lodge that um the village that we were living in at the time. So we're very rural. We're outside the city here. Uh huh. No, because I remember whenever I was growing up, you know, it was you would have seen, you know, a number of pipe bonds at the Belfast Parade. Obviously, not not anymore. You don't really see them anymore. I was kind of almost like a novelty, you know, for us. Like, oh, there's a, there's there's a pipe bond out and stuff, you know. But uh, I know, obviously, in the more rural areas, you know, that's it is like you say, it's part and parcel of life there. You know, you know the the pipe bond, and I suppose. You just have a similar kind of experience to the to the flute bonds, the accordion bonds, or the sense of camaraderie and, and belonging that, that comes as a result of, of being part of that. Any standout memories from your time in, in, in the pipe bond? Well, my love for piping's not that strong. So uh-huh. the pipe band got me into Highland dancing. Right, okay. When we were traveling, like we used to travel quite a lot to band contests. We used to go to the Highland Games and stuff. And every time I went to a band contest, I used to be in the dancing tent because I just watched the dancing. Because right, okay. we didn't have any Highland dancing in Northern Ireland. I think there might have been one shooter and they were based in Belfast. I mean, uh-huh. the only dance teachers that lived anywhere near me were Irish dance teachers. And there was no chance that my mother and father was driving me into the city side to go and learn the Irish dance. It just was not. They barely went to the side the shop, never mind tech media dancing. Right. So like Highland dancing for me, you know, we loved let like we were so familiar with tartan and kilts and bagpipes. But this as young girls, there was about five or six of us in the band. We just loved that this dancing was like connected to like our sort of family history and heritage. We didn't really think of it that as when we were we, but looking uh-huh. back, we were watching this style of dance that we absolutely loved. We wanted to dance uh-huh. as young girls, but we felt like a connection to it. Right, okay. And so generally, when I was at the band contests, I was watching the dancing. I didn't really spend much time. Wow. Oh, good. And, and I was because the other question that was in my mind is when we were talking there was what was it that actually drew you to the dancing initially? Because I know you were saying that you developed this whole sense of a connection to it, but was there, was there something else apart from the, the lack of love for the pipes? Was there anything else that kind of drew you to that, you know, sense? Let's, let's go watch the dancers instead. Maybe it's because we wanted to dance, but we hadn't any access to it ourselves. Like yeah, my youngest okay. memories were watching the dancing at the band contest, and then the other uh-huh. one was um, the Edinburgh tattoo used to always be televised 
on the night of Black Saturday. So we right. used to go to the Black Saturday parade and then come home and we would have stayed with my granny and granda, mum and dad, maybe went out or whatever. And we used uh-huh. to sit and watch the Edinburgh tattoo. So we were sitting watching the TV, me and three or four cousins and my sister. And there was like maybe a hundred Highland dancers. And we just, uh-huh. we were just hooked on it. We just loved it. We just kept saying, we want to do this. We want to do this. But there was uh-huh. just no teachers here. So maybe, maybe the fact that we couldn't actually do it, we had no access to it. We really uh-huh. loved it, you know. Right. And where did that change then for you? Obviously, I mean, I had planned to maybe talk about this kind of stuff a bit later on and stuff, but, but where did that change for you in regards to getting access and how did you transfer this idea of, I really want to try this to actually do it? Yeah, so it was really totally coincidental. So my parents were basically sick listening to me. And right. for years. Um, my dad does a bit of community work and stuff and just through the lodge and things and it was totally coincidental at one of the parades in the city I think it might have been like a Burning Lundy parade or something um, he was in the memorial hall and he got uh-huh. chatting to this guy who was a Scottish soldier based right. in the town now Scottish soldiers have to Highland dance as part of their military fitness training Okay. up in conversation and my daddy was like hang on what you can Highland dance and you love in this city you're based here he's like we need you like we've been trying like we've been listening to you so and that was just how it started totally coincidental so this guy was called Ian and he says sure I'll come out and show them a few steps or whatever so there was about 10 of us just girls Uh in the band and friends and the tutor Ian the soldier, he came out to the Orange Hall in Brady, which was literally an old tin hut, but it had a really sprung floor, like an amazing right. floor. And he came out and he taught us the basics. Um, uh-huh. My granny made the first four Highland dance costumes and we just kind of got the bug. It was about six weeks and Ian was deployed away <laughs> to right, okay. uh, away somewhere else. So we had just started dancing and our tutor had gone basically. Um, so again, we piped up, we done a bit of gearing, well, we're not stopping dancing. Now you have to find us a teacher. Um, <laughs> so the, the worldwide Highland dance boards based in Edinburgh, uh-huh. and my daddy gave them a call and was like, is there any tutors, blah, 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 blah. So through conversations, we got in contact with a girl called Misha. Um, she's from Fife and right. her parents were away working in Germany and she was, um, in between deciding what she was doing with university and all this. And she was like, I'll come uh-huh. across and I'll start a group and we'll teach you. So Misha flew across every weekend for nine years. Wow. Wow. So she totally, totally committed to Sola. She was just amazing. Um, so she, every, every weekend she used to fly in on a Friday night to the international and we went up, picked her up. She taught the Friday night all day, the Saturday and flew home on the Sunday. Wow. That's so, crazy. I know we just we were so lucky to just get the right person she totally dedicated so much time um so then Misha really built the group taught us to dance and as uh-huh. time went on Misha then put me through my teaching exams um, right. and then she took me forward and back to auditions and competitions and stuff and just totally built the group she was just we're so lucky to find her and how, and what's uh, what's uh, Misha's involvement with with you today? Then I know obviously we'll talk a bit more about Solace as we go along, but obviously this that's pretty interesting because I think for me it's almost like it seems like it was it was written in the stars almost. You know, you, you know, you kind of you you've just come across this right person who ends up you know impacting your life and, and you know and pouring you know a whole host of herself into you and a, and a, and a group of people that's. That, that she's left a, a like a, a lost and legacy with you, you know. So I mean, I mean, that's amazing to hear. Uh, she was amazing. She was a total asset. I always say I love in my wee sparkly Highland dancing bubble. Right. It was like totally <laughs> one of the stars it was. Um, <laughs> so Misha then she went on and done a, a degree and she got married and had kids. So she was like, I'm leaving this dance school to you type of thing. You're teaching, uh-huh. you're away you go type of thing. But um, in Highland Dancing, once you qualify as a teacher, there's like five more exams as teaching standards. And then there's a judging exam and then there's an examiner's. So Misha never really got away. <laughs> I keep my applause. <laughs> She's tortured all the time. But like in Highland, like Highland Dancing, Northern Ireland's pretty new. We need our connections in Scotland to like uh-huh. feedback the information and the rules. And, you know, there's technique things 
being developed all the time. So uh-huh. she comes forward and back. She actually examined some of my kids recently there. Um, she helped right. me with my study. Um, she's in contact all the time, but literally she became a part of the family. Like she was living in our house with us every weekend. Wow. Um, so if she's flying here, she visits us. And if we're flying there, we visit her. You know, she really uh-huh. is like just like an extended family member. Man, it's crazy how that happens, isn't it? You know, because I mean, we one of the things that we, we talk a lot about with the bonds as well is that you make friends for life, you know, when you're a part of the bond. And it, and it, it seems like it's, you know, that that transfers into the other aspects of the, the, of the culture uh, as well, you know, because that, you know, we even the, the idea of someone spending nine years of every weekend coming over and dedicating time and effort to people is, you know, is, is amazing. And, but it seems like you, you, you've not just found an instructor, but you, you found you found a friend for life for Oh, she is. Like, like my mummy would literally treat her as, like, another daughter. Like, right, okay. like, she's so close. Like, she's in contact all the time. And, like, we do visit all the time. And um, I, she's just part of the family. So what was it about how she worked with you that kind of helped the group become successful then? Because, obviously, she's an, an integral part. Um, but, obviously, without people turning up for classes or turning up for what you know that what she was teaching and stuff you know she's just a person visiting from scotland like you know but uh the but what was it about what she did that really kept you involved and helped you progress misha is a cutthroat teacher like there is like take no prisoners so i always say like highland dance is a really difficult thing to learn like you're not gonna turn up and be able to dance in like three weeks like it's right. really, it's quite a difficult, especially for we toots. Like we were old, older learning to dance. Like I was about twelve. That's quite old to start learning to dance. Um, right. So Misha taught correct and the best technique that she could right from day one, and you were not getting away with putting a single toenail out of place. Like right. Okay. He was really strict. Um, but as I said, there was no other dancing in the area. Like there was no ballet classes or tap classes or uh-huh. um, so there really was kind of a gap in the market for young girls who wanted to dance as such. Right. Um, so she very quickly got us dancing and got us costumed and dressed and competing and doing shows. So I mean, I started dancing when I was twelve. I sat my teaching exam when I was like just turning 16. I auditioned for the first day of a tattoo when I was 15. So, you know, in a very short space of time, there was dancers competing, winning trophies in the newspaper, you know, traveling at all the wee community events. Like she turned out dancers really quick. Right, okay. How does that that panic? Because I know you were saying there that it's not easy to pick up, you know, and if you're, you know, in terms of, um, the moves and stuff, and I suppose when, from an outsider, an uneducated, you know, point of view, we kind of be saying, "Well, listen, when you have a wee look at it, well, you know, you know what I'm about to say. Like it doesn't look, you're, it doesn't look." Like what, your next, your next episode, you're <laughs> going to do a dance class. You can't say that and not, may not make you dance. <laughs> 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 it, is, it is like it's a difficult thing to learn. So like I have a dance degree so my degrees in contemporary dance so i've had to study ballet tap jazz modern i've done all that stuff like i've got uh-huh. silly teaching qualifications for all these styles of dance and i only use highland it's just it's really disciplined uh-huh. it's very very precise there's no like freedom to mix things up we have okay. like, we have a theory book and it's like a highland dancer's bible the steps, the positions, the, everything is totally scripted. There's nothing that you can have any freedom of. You have to do it exact or you're not getting placed. So if right. you go to a dance competition and you make a wee mistake, doesn't matter how well you cover it, your name is just scored off a sheet. Like it is oh, a really yeah. tough thing to learn. And there's a wee like meme thing online and it always says Highland Dance, the only sport where you give a four-year-old swords. Like my daughter, <laughs> she learned, she knows the sword dance, you know, uh-huh. um, it's not easy. And, you know, the kids that Highland dance and stick at Highland dance, they have to be so dedicated because, you know, you're learning those steps of the fling week after week after week. It's not the most exciting 
jazzy, sparkly, entertaining class uh-huh. day thing. It's you know, if you're not really interested, it can be it can be boring, like. Right. Okay. Okay. So talk us through what what where did you what would you have started with then? Where did the did, did you what were the moves that you ended up learning at first, and why are those the starting moves and so on? What I know that obviously we're going to be a bit of technical aspect of this here, but where did you start with it, and where 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 did that go? So you basically start with you've got five basic positions for your feet, five basic positions for your arms. Those basic positions are actually the same as ballet. Um, right. After that, you'll learn a, a movement called a paddy ba. So a paddy ba is what our under sevens would compete in primary. So if you're under seven years old, you would compete your paddy bas, your paddy bas and high cuts, your fling, and then your sword dance. Right. So by the time you turn seven, you need to have mastered those four and have been competing them from, you start competing at the age of four, typically. And right. um, after that, you move up into the older category and you have to compete seven different dances. So it starts with the Highland Fling, the sword dance, Chantreuse Reel. So you start with your traditional Highland dances and then you go into your national dances. All the dances come out of the basic positions and the basic movements at the start of the dance and they get built up. Um, Highland dance, though, it, in my opinion, it's quite a fair competition arena. Right, okay. Um, so all our steps are exactly scripted so at the start of the year the the official board the world governing board they will set the exact steps that dancers have to dance in a championship so for you to become an ulster champion or a european champion or a world champion every single person has to dance the exact same steps right okay and again with a costume it's very level playing field because it's all set in stone it's very strict like a jacket has to have five buttons down each side it has to have five points the only thing you can choose is the color of your tartan that's literally it right okay it's all based on those see those those first movements those paddy bars that you compete in primary they'll Mm -hmm. feature right up to championship standard then it all builds up the whole way through Okay, so and it's, it obviously then does it appeal to a particular type of person? Because it, I'm thinking along about you know it's something that's very precise and you know and it's very structured and very this is the way it's done and stuff. You know, do you find that it, that there's a particular personality type that kind of is drawn into this? Definitely, like it's the disciplined, structured children. Although maybe that's their training as well. Like you know, if they come in, like I get dancers from like three, so. Mm-hmm. In their first class they're standing in lines they're rotating lines they're learning their positions they're learning their movements we're going you know that whole class from day one you know some people yes ha- have that kind of personality but <clears throat> that's the training that they're getting from day one and um, mm-hmm. i don't know if that's something that comes from their dancing and develops their sort of characteristics going on but yeah. definitely have to be so routined and mm-hmm. be willing to be repetitive like what I fixed. So I had tonight, my first class was a primary class, which is my under sevens. And they mm-hmm. were fixing their sheddings, which is part of their Highland Fling. My last class tonight was a championship class and they were fixing their sheddings. Like, see, when I thought about it, I was like, these children have been fixing that movement probably for the past 10 years. Right, okay. You know, it's it's tough. And what, and what is it about the difference between that early age and then the later stages between that particular move? Is it is it just basically around the refining of the movement or, or what, what what is it that they're, they're working on constantly? It's the precision. So like the wee ones, the wee ones don't really have the strength, the turnout, the elevation, the tightness around the leg. Like the movement's very small. So mm-hmm. to refine it really takes a while, a lot of nut picking. You know, that shedding movement is simply like a point back, front, back. I mean, I could teach you now to do a shed in two minutes, but it's not going to look like a championship shedding. It's, <laughs> it's just nut picking every wee element. Every, like, tonight in my championship class, we just looked at the foot that they're jumping on. We didn't even look oh. at the foot that was doing the point back, front back. We didn't even look at their head, their arms, their body position. It was just solely about that fit, the topping. And that took us like an hour and a half. Right, okay. Right, so there must be, you must do, somebody must do a crack and trade of mirrors then. You know, um, with people. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Mirrors, <laughs> and, it... mirrors and slow-mo cameras. 
Slow mo right. and the oh, they're great. They're brilliant. They tell okay, the right. so it gets as precise as that then, does it? Where you're you're kind of slowing things down and getting people to watch exactly where their foot went at a particular moment and going, that's where you need to work on. Oh, definitely. Oh, we were using our slow mo cameras. Like my kids all bring their phones to dance class and my right, okay. didn't collected at the at the door. But all my dancers bring their phones to dance class and they'll pair up. And if we're working, right. so say we were working on a shuffle, let's say, we would dance shuffles, we would try and fix shuffles, and then they'll sit down with their partner. So one will get up and dance, and the other one will sit down, but they went in slow-mo, and then they'll uh-huh. watch it together and say, oh, I need to do this, and that, you know, self sort of correction as well. Right, wow. Well, so you wouldn't actually think that that would be the case with that, but obviously I'm picking that up with you talking about the precision and aspects of that, and then obviously amazing high technology kind of plays plays into that now because obviously when you started it wouldn't have you wouldn't have had that type of technology it would have been constant you know going over 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 and someone maybe putting your leg in the right position and going stand here put it here do this that kind of thing yeah if we had had this technology when i was dancing misha wouldn't have been flying over every weekend (laughs) yeah not a mission no, so in terms of whenever you you started, then you said you, you were then you were taught at twelve, and then you were competing by sixteen. Is that right? I was um I was in premier by sixteen, so I was competing like the year after. I was competing by like thirteen. Right. Okay. Dead on. So you were about a year in and stuff, and that was on those those four or five basic movements. You were you were starting to go, to move in on that, right? Because it. So, and then you just obviously build year on year then, you know, in terms of where you're going with that. What would you say you've got out of it, apart from maybe obviously being disciplined and all that kind of stuff, what would you say that the impact that you learn and that the Highland dance has had on you as a person? Oh my goodness, everything. I th- I'm really biased. I think Highland's just good for everything. I think it's good for your timekeeping. I think it's good uh-huh. for like organization. Like my very young dancers pack their costume. So it's not right. my fault if they forget their shoes. It's their fault. Right. So okay. like they'll start. So before they go to the costume, they'll start at their feet and they'll go shoes, socks, garters, dance pants, kilt, work their way up. Um, mm-hmm. Some like nine-year-olds can't dress themselves. And you know what I mean? Um, uh-huh. You have to turn up at that competition early. You have to have your hair done. You have to have your costume ready. You have to be warmed up. It's, you know, see that timekeeping and like dedication. Like you have to be a reliable you know, right. you have to be religiously going to class on time, week on week. So, I mean, a lot of the children I teach are going to class three times a week and maybe a competition. You know, it's oh, a lot of organization, timekeeping, just good mm-hmm. general employable skills, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, and I suppose that maybe to some degree there's an element of crossover between that and the bonds and stuff, you know, about, you know, commitment, dedication and, you know, learning your learning the craft, I suppose, and you know, being able to, you know, it's life skills, isn't it? You know, you, you we're, we're passing on skills that are useful for, for life and beyond. So when did this start to become a real, like, community, you know, sort of impact program uh, in terms of, obviously, because you've progressed from what you started at, in those early days to where you are now with the, 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 the there's the solid center and stuff you know that you have and you know there's obviously if you refer amount of people who are involved with you now um but where how did that all develop in terms of give us a wee bit of a wee bit of a sweep in history then in terms of how that's developed from whenever you guys started to, to what you have today i will agree quite quick it started as a, a small class maybe 10 max sort of weekly um and as soon as dancers got out and about in the public more people in the close knit area wanted to dance um when i finished my gcse's i hadn't a clue what i was doing with my life all i knew that i was teaching dance um so i went and studied a dance diploma and then i went to study a dance degree alongside both those courses um i started teaching various other places who wanted dance classes set up so i was teaching in the solace center in brady but other especially orange lodges other lodges and other orange halls also wanted a class so right, okay. every week i was teaching a class in Drumquan, just outside castle derg um donegal town there's a wee orange hall just outside donegal town called moin um right. i started a class there um there was classes just popping up everywhere um right, okay. 
I ended up teaching like six nights a week alongside Minigree. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, then fast forward and on, um, I was trying to milk this as a full-time career as long as I could before I was deciding what I was going to do for a real job. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we set up um, an education project. So a Highland dance teacher, a bagpipe tutor, and recently joined now a B-flat flute tutor. Um, we um, applied to the Education Authority for funding. Um, so we then took our tuition in and around all the local primary schools, basically wow. everywhere between like Londonderry and Straban. Um, okay. And all those primary schools then fed dance schools around. Um, so then all of a sudden, Drumahoe School got it during the day. Now there's a Drumahoe Highland Dance Group. Um, okay. Listening album was very big. Now there's an Irish Street Dance Group. So um, we fast forward again. Now you have 11 teachers, two right. of us full-time. So myself and Emily, we both teach full-time um, schools during the day and then evening classes. Um, some of the other girls are still studying and teaching the evenings. And one of the girls is a teacher. Two of the girls are teachers and one's a dentist. So they do their real job and then they do their dancing right. job. <laughs> um, so like Solace Weekly now you have about, outside of school, about a thousand dancers, just Solace. Wow. Um, but now that's spread without the wet throughout the west because uh -huh. two of my shooters are based um Cookstown, Tobermore. Then we've got Drumahoe, Lamavati, right down to Castle Derg. So we're quite geographically spread throughout the West as well. Uh -huh. Okay, well that's a considerable amount of people though. I mean a thousand people being involved in in, in dance in that area and a specific type of dance is quite you know, that that's quite the feat like I, I just it grows all the time like we've actually got a waiting list of schools on our education project because we just uh -huh. can't fit them all in um but the schools project's been a huge help it's really really fed the community classes and then yeah. see, it's the same impact as we had when we started dancing you know when people see our dancers sitting exams you know our our dancers do theory exams as well not just uh -huh. the practical exams and their grade six, seven, and eight gets the UCAS points. Right, you know, okay. When people hear that, and you know, I think parents like that structure for children. I also yeah. think parents really like the traditionalness of it for okay. their children. Uh -huh. I mean, you can send your daughter to disco dancing and she can wear a leotard and sparkles. You can send her to Irish dancing and she's going to wear a wig and tan. Uh -huh. Or you can send her to Highland dancing, which is very regal and very classy and, you know, uh -huh. In my opinion, we're not even allowed a bow in our hair. We're not allowed to right. see a hair bubble. Um, you're only allowed natural makeup. You know, if you wear too much right. makeup, you get marked down. And I think that's very appealing to parents in right. this okay. day and age. That structure and that classiness and discipline. I think people and schools and teachers and parents, I think they want that for their children. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of aligns with parental value base. I think it does. I think, you know, even like, as I say, our costume, I mean, your kilts to your knee and your socks are to mm. your knee. You know, sure. there's a lot of things that kids could be doing now that is very modern and trendy, but maybe not what parents would love them doing. But Highland, yeah. the parents don't seem to be behind the kids. They're really, the parents are just as involved as the children, in fact. Mm. No, that, that, that's, that's, that's cool to hear because I, I think, it, you know, you know, some, some of the aspects of our culture get a bad rap and stuff, you know, and, and you know, in terms of, you know, parents maybe not wanting, you know, I think of some of the aspects where, where bonds may practice and stuff and, you know, maybe in a bar or something and, you know, and parents maybe not wanting their kids to do that, you know, and it's great that there's an aspect of, you know, the culture that the parents are really aligning with and going, listen, I really want my kids to be involved with this. This really, you know, is in line with what I, I want for them and stuff, you know, and did you, in the early days of the schools-based stuff, obviously, you know, um, with the education board, you know, you were obviously successful in terms of, you know, a plan for getting into schools. Did you find that there was an there was an initial kind of was there any apprehension about what you guys were doing, or were you pretty much widely accepted and work away? Pretty much widely accepted. So I'm a big believer that we need to sell our culture as positive and youthful especially the Ulster Scots side of things like mm -hmm. PEL all right the bands might have a young kind of catchment 
But as soon as you say Ulster Scots, we all think on old men and fiddles and I can't be dealing with. So <laughs> I was always like, no, this is young. This is positive. And when we went to the schools, I was like, this is professional. This is, you yes. should want this for your children. So like when I danced, like we used to dance at the Maiden City Festival in the city walls. And like we were taught, you hide your costume, you go in, you get into your costume, you dance and you leave straight away and you hide your costume uh-huh. again. If you want to go down the town to McDonald's, don't dare let your kilt be seen and fall aside. Well, uh-huh. when I became a dance teacher, I was like, that's the first thing I'm getting rid of. Like, that's not right, okay. like, My children will never hide their costume. And I got asked to dance places and my parents were like, oh, can you take our kids there? And I was like, damn right, I can take our kids there because you know what our kids are? They're talented young people. You can uh-huh. call them P-U-L, you can call them whatever you like. But they're good dancers and they can dance. So I kind of had yeah. this attitude that I was, I'll take it anywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. we got asked to dance in the Halloween parade in Derry. Now, I right. have never seen the Halloween parade. It's like one of the biggest things, like one of the biggest events in Northern Ireland, apparently. And I had never been over the town to see it. And I love here. Uh-huh. I got asked, would you put a group of Highland dancers into the Halloween parade? And I said, yes. And our parents freaked out. Right. <laughs> You know, some of them are saying, you know, you know, I don't think our children should be over the town. It's too busy and they're going to know what we are. And I says, well, they're going to know what we are because we're good dancers and we're going to go and show them what we are. Yeah. That, that was one thing that I was really, really passionate about when I started taking over the school. No way was I going to spend my career going to dance in We Orange Halls for the same people all the time. That for mm-hmm. me wasn't, wasn't progressing the culture at all. That wasn't... Mm-hmm. That wasn't giving our young people any justice. Sure. So, yeah, no, I get that because, and I think that that's great. It really correlates with a lot of stuff that you know that my own thoughts around the bond scene and stuff. You know, I'm not not well, not that you can hate 50,000 people. You know, um, walking the streets and stuff. But I mean, in regards to you know, shying away from talking what up, talking up what you do. You know, and I think one of the things that you've highlighted there is first and foremost, we're dancers. You know, we, we we dance, you know, and and that's that's no big problem for anybody. And that's why I always say about the bands is we're all we're musicians. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a musician, and uh, you know that doesn't shouldn't cause anybody any level of consternation. And if if it does, then maybe the issues with the person who's who's looking in on us rather than the other way the other way around and stuff. You know, and I think it's great that we're, you know. Because it's almost at times we've felt that even from an Ulster Scots point of view or even a PEL point of view, you have to apologise for what it is that you do. It's like almost you're like apologising for your existence. And, you know, we've kind of got graded at times of being subservient to what is supposed to be, you know, a superior culture. And I, I didn't really want to get political here, but, um, you know, but that, that, that's sometimes hard to put across. And it's sometimes how I was made to feel was that, you know, culture uh, what, do you, what do you know about culture you know and 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 you, you kind of shied away from it and stuff you know whereas now it's like going absolutely not you know this this is this is culture and what we do is, is cultural and, and, and i suppose that's you're feeling the same thing definitely and it's probably kept us back for too long like maybe we'd mm-hmm. be a lot further progressed if we had this attitude 20 years ago um, yeah it opened i got my eyes open because i joined the edinburgh tattoo team and we every year danced at the Edinburgh Tattoo, but we also danced at an international tattoo. Okay. So like, we went to Germany and Holland and Switzerland. And the whole time when we went to all these countries, all I seen was like amazing culture. Like mm-hmm. that people were so proud of. And I remember going to this drum group and they were backstage and they were drumming and they were so talented and they were throwing sticks and oh, it was, it was just amazing. And then I was like, we've got this at home. But like... Mm nobody's invited to see it I was like we just play yeah. for ourselves and that really annoyed me like I I just I just think that especially like our big parades and our bands and our dance championships they should be marketed to the whole world mm. like Misha's husband so Misha who was my teacher her husband's from the Orkney Islands and I took him to the Burning Alumni and he was amazed like he right. just had the ball but we don't market it to tourists yeah I don't know. Exactly. I know. And, and I think once, once you find it, it's like once people discover some of this stuff, they, 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 they kind of go, how, how, do you, how has this been kept hidden, you know, in terms of 
why do we not know about this? You know, and it's it's amazing. But the other thing is that I think we need to do a better job of taking ourselves international ourselves too. You know, we need to find ways of catching because what I ended up finding is reputations don't travel, you know, or that kind of thing. And you know, for me, you know, the, the connection with the states around the Fife and Drummond scene, you know, and even the Ulster Scots thing in regards to Highland dancing would be, a, I would, would kill in the states. I think you know what I mean. And but right across the rest of you, you know, you you you're matching the Swiss there. You're obviously fantastic talking about top secret drum corner, you know, and and also the fact that they have this thing called Fosnac, which is this massive musical festival, the fifes and drums, you know, essentially there's flute bands walking the streets, you know, uh, and, and, and Basel and stuff, you know, and, and it's amazing where we, what we do, we'll, we'll travel and connect with other people and it would widen the horizons of the community as a whole. We just need to, I think we just need to market ourselves maybe. I think we've yeah. never, we've always played music and dance for ourselves in our own communities. Mm-hmm. But I just see it as a very, and the, and I don't want to get political leader, but I always think our politicians don't sell Northern Ireland. Whereas I think it's a well, very, very sellable product as such. Yeah, and, and, and I think you're right. I mean, I think, you know, the, the benefits of this place, you know, in terms of what it brings, and, and it, you get the ugly snippet here and there, you know, but um, but I, I think in, there's a lot of major positive things, that, you know, when people engage with, that praise or engage with other aspects of the culture that they realize just how rich it actually is, you know. And even when I think I remember talking with a guy about it, and he says, like, you know, whatever those, whatever cruise ships comes in, it's usually a, there's a Cayley bomb taken down or whatever else, and that's the the head of the northern a culture in Northern Ireland. They say, well, why aren't we, you know, engaging with those around? We let's let's have a group of Highland dancers welcome a tour group off the thing, you know, and having. All that, all those other aspects, you know, that are that are potentially open, but yet no one seems to want that the gravitate towards us for is is sometimes beyond me. And I think it's a there's you're right. There's a there's a wider responsibility on us as a community to 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 get that marketing thing right and and you know and put some time and effort into you know some really top class promotional material and 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 get it out there. Definitely, it's something that. Um... I feel very passionately about, and I try to sell solace as best I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, like, I mean, lockdown was great. We got to talk. I was invited to speak on international Highland dance conferences in Australia, and you yeah. know, we were able to do workshops even just last week with a tutor in Canada. You know, uh-huh. um, we've tried to make those links across the world. Um, I took thirty dancers, I think, to dance in the New York Tartan Parade a few years uh-huh. ago. Um, we go to the International Gallery in Paris, Highland Dancers. Um, so we try and do international trips as much as we can and showcase our school as much as we can and exchange sure. with other dance schools and other teachers. Um, and it is a small world at the end of the day. There's no reason why we, we can't, really. Yeah. One of the things that you had, you'd mentioned there, Georgina, was that you, you've obviously taken part in Edinburgh, the tattoo. Um you, you, you auditioned, I think you said you auditioned really reasonably young for that. I and mean, what was what was the auditioning process they got? And what was it like when you you obviously took to the floor on the on the, uh, the tattoo? What was it like your first time doing the Edinburgh tattoo? The Edinburgh tattoo was the best experience of my life. And that's, I'll always say that. Um, I auditioned. So Misha had danced at the tattoo. Um, uh-huh. You had to be 16 to be a member of the team. So I right. was 16 in the May and we went to the audition saying, but I'll be 16 in August. So I was mm-hmm. kind of worming my way in. Um, so I went to the audition, not really expecting to get in um, because the way the Edinburgh Tattoo worked was they have a Scottish team and then they have an international team who join them. So for right, me to okay. be a part of it, I had to join the Scottish team. Right. Um, so I auditioned, I got in, I got into their first international team as well as their first home team um it's the most amazing show ever like the whole city in august edinburgh is like my favorite place in the world like i'll always feel like it's home so mm-hmm. i auditioned in the february and we had to go over once a month for a rehearsal and then i went over the first of august and i just stayed for the whole month and wow. it was just unreal like you were dancing and there was nine thousand people a night and it's not ideal, like it's tarmac, it's on like an eight foot drop of slope. So uh-huh. you start up here and you end up down here. Like it's stuff that's really <laughs> difficult about it. I mean, uh-huh. dance in the rain 
the lightning was hitting off the ground in front of us and he had a hundred dancers very smelly soaking dance shoes that they had to wear for a month <laughs> it's <laughs> not glamorous but it's just really amazing um we danced every night as i say nine thousand people um live music like some of the best musicians um uh-huh. Oh, I was just loving the dream. And then you went out all night to all the shows in the Edinburgh Festival. There's comedians, uh-huh. all lawyers of the night. Um, yeah. We had a competitive event at the weekend and stuff. I was just, I'd done it for five years. I was just loving life. Just loved it. All right. Because I was about to say, how many did you do then? So obviously you were a part of five particular shows then, yeah? Five years I'd done it. Um, we were lucky enough as well. So I um, I kind of got on really well with the choreographer and the team and I sort of fit it in. And um, one year they were doing a Commonwealth um, team. So they had the Scottish team, but they also had Australia, Canada and all the teams. And they asked me, would we have potentially a team from Northern Ireland? So in 2011, we had the first ever dance trip from here to perform at the Edinburgh Tattoo as well. Wow. I didn't wow. perform. I just trained them up and took them. Mm-hmm. Um, so just the most amazing the most amazing experience ever Crazy, did you did you think that the, the way back in the day whatever you kind of had been knocking about in the the pipe bond competitions whatever else that those wee visits to the tent would lead you to the Edinburgh tattoo not because i thought i was too old like i started dancing at 12 that's too old mm. most people start dancing at three so i kind of thought i had missed all those opportunities i, I hoped i hadn't obviously mm. but um i always thought that i had didn't have enough experience and i didn't learn young enough yeah there's got to be some real sense of achievement there as well you've got to be proud of yourself to some degree you know in terms of because you know but i mean but seriously not everybody gets that opportunity you know in terms of you know, we, we, we obviously in the in the scheme of the amount of people who do dancing and stuff, you know, there's obviously there's an elite level of people who are involved in, in those type of shows and stuff, you know, and, and there there you are, and you'd say this we got from from Katie or whatever, whatever you know, in terms of and he's now well, has been a part of the the, the Edinburgh tattoo. Okay, I feel I do feel really really blessed. Like I feel really lucky, and I feel mm-hmm. like I've met a wild lot of good people on like on my dancing journey as such like Misha was like the most amazing person um I have another tutor in later life who put me through my judges exam I mean I have people in Scotland that are willing to like put me up help me let me sleep in their house they'll feed me they'll drive me about you know like there's there's so many good good people who are willing to give other people opportunities and to share advice and like if you work hard enough and you know, it's just amazing. Like, there is opportunities for young people. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, how is that panning out in terms of solace as a whole? I mean, I've obviously you've had, I'm suspecting you've had some level of success around in competitions either here and beyond. Yes, well, I think Northern Ireland are kind of behind a wee bit still on, like, we have champion standard dancers now. We right. don't have world champions, um, but we're getting better all the time. Like we're really, really trying to push this as hard as we can. Um, we hosted the European Championships there in January. It was the first championship post COVID, and for the first time ever, Northern Ireland had four dancers in the top six. Like wow. that has never happened. Like that's a huge step. Like usually our championship dancers. In the past, they haven't really placed at that European level. Level, okay. Um, So, like, up until now, Highland Dancing is all about being building Highland Dancing and numbers and getting it up and running. Whereas now it's becoming competitive. Like, we're we're known as, you know, there they are kind of thing where people Mm -hmm. in the competitive scene are kind of know who Solace are. Um. A few years back, we competed in the European Choreography Championships, and nobody yeah. knew us. Nobody knew us at that point, and we won. And that was not a good reaction. That was not like that was a bit sore, a bit of a sore spot. Um. So from then on, I think like we were always the little token, like oh, they're just new. They've just started. Right. Okay. In turn, we've now got we've now got dancers placing at championships. We've now got two judges in the country. Um, which is a really big accolade uh-huh. and really difficult exam to get through. So we're getting there. 
Brilliant. And, you, and obviously, you, Salas has played a major part in, in, in doing that. You know, so happy days. And uh, where does that where does that lead you to the in, in terms of the future? Then, what what's what's the plans? And obviously, you've got a solid foundation. You've got obviously for me, it seems like you've got a constant stream of recruitment going on on a regular basis with the work that you're doing in the schools, etc. You, you've got that kind of solidified. And then obviously now it's about increasing the competitive element around that. But, but where, where, what are your hopes for Solace and, and Highland Dancing in, in Northern Ireland in general for, say, the next 10 years or so? I I firstly want more teachers. So I've got like seven more young people who are almost ready to set their teaching exam. I want more teachers teaching in more areas. Like I think that every young person in Northern Ireland should have access to Highland Dance if they want it. Um, and then secondly to that, I want I want a world champion. And that's like maybe 10 years away. It might be right, 10 years right. away. But I don't think it's impossible. But if you had asked me five years ago, it was impossible. Right. Um, I, I want a Northern Ireland world champion. And that's wow. it. Well, well, I, I would say listening to you, there, you know, if, if I think you've taken on some of Misha's um, traits as well, and kind of not letting people off. As I would say, there's a good chance that you'll find someone be able to push them in, in in that direction and stuff, you know. But you, you're doing other things in terms of promoting culture as well. Obviously, the solace, the solace center you're using there, and I believe you guys, you you've done a book recently around your Highland dancing, haven't you? We've done a children's book, yes. Um, again, this is just kind of around the whole PEL work, trying to market ourselves a wee bit more, trying mm-hmm. to come across as a more positive and accessible sort of art form. Um, so we had a dancing parent who came to us and said, can I ask you a wee bit about your story? And I was like, if you want. Didn't really know what mm-hmm. she was going to um, So she kind of just picked my brains and sent me random messages and was and I was like, what are you up to? Like, I don't really know what's going on here. <laughs> Oh, suspicious. Um, and then she was like, I just do this as a wee hobby, but do you mind if I write a book? I was like, write a book if you like. I still didn't really know what was going on. So uh-huh. she came to me with um, a children's book, which basically told kind of the story of Solace and kind of my story. Um, but the whole story is all about if you want to do well, you have to work hard. So right, okay. we frustrated. We got it published. It's now on Amazon. So we have, and I don't know if there is any other children's books for Highland Dance anywhere in the world. So it's I'd a bit of So it's out there now. It's another wee, oh, yeah. wee thing we've done. And how, how's it going in terms, and I don't want to get in obviously sales and all that, but how, how's it going down? It's, I think it's going down quite well. I mean, we only launched it recently. Um, I don't really keep on track of books and how things are going and right. finances because I, I just do the nice dance and stuff. Right, okay. No worries. What's the book called? It's called Tidy Feet. Right. So what we'll maybe do is we'll get a link in the description here and if people want to go and, and check that check that out, that would be great. And I think I think you're right. I think it's great that you know you had a sneaky parent there who decided that they were gonna do this. But I think it's 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 also, you know, a great, you know, medium in terms of trying to connect with people, you know, in regards to the kids' book, you know, and especially I mean, obviously I've seen some of the illustrations in terms of the book, you know, it's very colourful, you know, it's very appealing to people and you know, the way it's written, you know, the rhyming and stuff like that there. It's it's what you would expect from a kid's book. It just happens to focus in on Highland dance as a as a subject matter. And I think we need to be taking those chances and those opportunities to kind of pop push our own culture out in those particular ways. Because I know there's been a couple of books, obviously my own, um, in terms of doing doing a wee bit of that. But also, you know, Angelina King has done some kids' work stuff, you know, around, you know, um, that she did something around this bomb pole competition and another thing, you know, that she's done for kids. But it would be great to see us engaging in other aspects of culture and promoting, you know, what we do. And maybe that's another aspect of the, the marketing thing that you were talking about. And I don't know if it's since becoming a parent, but um, early years is so important. Like, mm. See if you can see that early years engagement. Like it's so important for them educationally, but it's important for us culturally as well. Like mm. 
I was just born into it. That's all I ever knew. So I really yeah. like, well, my children have no choice. They were in dance class from like, my daughter was born on the Thursday and we were at class on the Monday and I was teaching. So <laughs> that was it. But I think it is so important that like, we need to, that's our next generation. Like, do we mm. want to flip bands and Highland dancers for the next generation? Well, if we do, then you got to get them hooked early. Because if you don't yeah. get them hooked early, they're going to go to swimming or hockey or whatever. Or something else. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Because I, I remember having a conversation with someone around this and saying, you know, that environment and proximity or, you know, closeness to these type of things is so important. Because, um, as I say, whenever I was growing up, and East Belfast, I mean, the bonds and that type of music was a part and parcel of almost everyday life. You know, it was close by. It was, it was, you know, you couldn't, you know, go a week sometimes without seeing a bond or being involved in something like, or seeing a parade of some shape or form. Whereas life where I live really, now, you know, it's not there. Yeah. Or you have people that have moved away from areas where that is a part and parcel of would have been the part and parts of the culture. And because I know for me, obviously growing up in East Belfast and I live in a part of North Belfast now, and it's not as prevalent, you know, in terms of, you know, the makeup in terms of the community is very mixed. And, you know, and whenever there is anything that relates to, to that particular, our culture, there's kind of like, well, what's going on here, you know? And, you know, you, you kind of get a wee, there's a wee bit of heaven and hawing about stuff. And that's one of the things that, you know, that I regret that my kids that haven't got involved in a bond, you know, and that's not for the want of trying on my behalf, but, you know, but they just haven't been brought up around. Yeah. That is something that they want to get into. And you're so, you're so ready. If we don't catch in early, then you, you will miss a whole, a whole bunch of potentially extremely talented young people. That's a generation, or again, that could be where your champion is. You know what I mean? Yeah, that could be exactly. The, that could be the one that we need to get our hands on. That could be the one that's going to sell, and you know, become yeah. And I just think early years and life has just got so busy, and there's so many options that mm. we've got to get them hooked when they're young. Because any any later, they're it's as soon as they go to school, that's too late, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it, it's one of the, it is one of those things. I don't know, as I say, I mean, I came, when I came to Bonds, where I thought it was already for me, you know, at nine, you know, but I mean, and I, obviously I'm seeing people here younger than nine, you know, even walking in Bonds. And I see some, you know, I see one of the wee guys with Roth Cool Protestant boys, we drummers out with them and stuff, you know, I think he's, I think he's about seven or something like that there, you know, and he's out walking with a Bond. And I think that that's so important that, you know, that we, we one, we encourage our young people to do that, but also that, the people who are organizing bonds, events, or parades, or or, or dancing, whatever, are open. Let's let's you know work with this age range and stuff. You know, I think is extremely important for us going forward, especially whenever you know you look at almost how under threat things are. It's in, it's important that we protect and, and preserve. I have like I have a dancer, and it's in my new buildings class, and in the hall in new buildings, one glass, one wall is all glass, uh-huh. and then. Mommy and wee sister used to bring her every week, but wee sister was obviously outside the glass. And then when wee sister got to nursery age, mommy was like, can she come in to dance? And she's really mad about it. She came in to dance and no one how to dance. I never <laughs> that child. She was just seeing what was going on from the outside and obviously listening to big sister and listening to me. That child came on knowing how to dance. And we see that more and more all the time now. I always right. in Highland dance, so in Scotland, most of the dancers, their parents danced. Whereas we right. didn't really have that here. We were new. Whereas now, my my generation of dancers, the people I dance with, their children are all dancing because it's natural. It's starting mm-hmm. to become part of the family scene. And as you say, if it's in all those community events, they're seeing it from day dot. They're familiar. Yeah. That's how we're sort of securing solace, hopefully for another however many years. No, I think it, and more part too, just because I, I think you know, especially even the work of the partnership and uh, you know, in your area is key to you know preserving you know these particular the the art aspect of our culture. I think that that's extremely important that that we do that, and I think you know, there's a there's a lot of great people involved in that work, you know, and obviously your dad's a bit of a dynamo in that area, there, you know, so he's you know, and uh, um. 
But I, 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 I love the fact that we've been able to have you on the podcast, you know, and talking a bit about this stuff because it, it can get very, you know, it's fruit bond, fruit bond, fruit bond week after week. But it's nice to be able to branch out and, and have something, you know, like kind of completely different. So you have an open platform here. Not that it sounds like you need the, the plug your 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 school or whatever else but i mean by all means you never you never know who you might reach or who you might inspire by you know giving a shout out or getting high people can get involved and, and if there's areas in belfast that this is being done and i don't know where it is you know because obviously belfast is the center of the world um but uh, <laughs> but shameless plug time work away go ahead well, thank you for having me. And aye, it's amazing. It's nice they have the flip bands include us because again, we all work in our wee bubbles. You don't know what's going on outside your own bubble. So it's lovely mm-hmm. to have you all. But I, I just would like to say Highland Dance in general. I just think it's the most disciplined, structure, wonderful training for any child. Um, and there's lots of Highland Dance teachers in Belfast, loads. So um, uh, there's a brilliant online it's on the royal scottish official board of highland dancing you type in your postcode and it takes you to your closest dance class so that's not a solace plug that's a highland dance in northern ireland plug um so i get your children dancing because it's such good discipline brilliant listen georgina i just want to say thanks very much for you know taking the time because i know you you come on here pretty much quickly as soon as you, you come in from doing class and stuff as well and and if you're anything like me you know family life and all sometimes i love you obviously you've got your kids dancing with you know but sometimes family life is in the back seat there while we're doing all our things you know but i really appreciate you taking the time out to, to come on the podcast share a bit of your story stir see the passion that's obviously evident and how you talk about this you know in regards to how you feel about the, the whole the aspect of Highland dancing and, and why you think it's it's important that, that we get people involved on. So I really appreciate you taking the time out, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Glenn.